Chris, a listener, emails in to ask this. Pastor John, what does Paul mean in Romans 1 when he writes that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, are plain and clearly perceived by everyone? I have heard this verse used to say that there is no such thing as an atheist, but there have been times when I've felt unsure whether God truly exists even though I want to believe that he does. How can I reconcile my experience with Paul's words? One of the great things about the Bible, one of the things that I love so much is that it creates problems in itself and then solves them, problems which we think we created with no solution. Yeah, right. So, for example, the Bible says in Romans one twenty one, this is what Chris is referring to, they knew God, referring to every person who has ever failed to honor God and give thanks to him. So verse 21 goes like this, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So every person who fails to worship God knows God, Paul says. Then we meet someone, or maybe we are that one, who says, well, I totally do not know God, and I do not honor him as God, and I do not give him thanks because I don't even believe God exists. And suddenly we think, oh, we've created a problem for the Bible. Well, we haven't, because the Bible already created that problem five times over. It, it isn't our atheist friend or our atheist self that created this problem for the Bible. The Bible created the problem for the Bible so that we would not be surprised when we create the problem for the Bible. Four times Paul says um, that people don't know God. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. Since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preached to save those who believe. Or Galatians 4, 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who were by nature no gods. Or 1 Thessalonians 4, 4. Each of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Or 2 Thessalonians 1, 8. The Lord Jesus will come with flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who disobey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And outside of Paul, there's 1 John 4, 8, which says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So if Paul himself over and over, and the Apostle John too, say that there are many people who do not know God, then we have a clue that Knowing God has different senses in the New Testament, and we need to look very closely at the context of Romans 1, which says everybody does know God, to see what he really means. So let's look at it carefully. Let's start with verse 18, which is really going to be the key. 
the wrath of God, this is Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, that is probably the most important contextual clue to the solution. Ungodly people who know something called the truth suppress it. And what is their conscious experience of the truth while they are suppressing it? Nothing. That's what it means to suppress the truth. They deny that they have any knowledge of the truth that they are suppressing. And according to their own present consciousness, they're right. They don't know God. They, they've pushed that knowledge down. Katakanton is the Greek word. Hold down or restrain. But there's another implication in this word. The knowledge is really there. It may be suppressed, held down, out of mind temporarily, but it's there. And so Paul goes on like this, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they, here it is, verse 21, they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That is, they pushed down the light of the truth about God and shut the door and chose to live in the dark. And in that dark room, with the light of God held down, they don't know God, even though they know God and have seen him. So the answer to Chris's question is that his experience— and the experience of atheists is real. Darkness is real. Blindness is real. And the Bible is true. He knows God. All atheists know God. And the most wonderful thing is God overcomes the suppressing darkness by his power in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge, knowledge, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So I would say to Chris and to every atheist, deep down, under the suppressing work of your dark heart, you know God. Ask God for the miracle yes. of this illumination so that you can see what you're suppressing and look to Christ. Yes, amen. Thank you, Pastor John. And thank you, Chris, for the question. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. For our apps and for past episodes and to send us a question of your own, go online to desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John. Well, tomorrow we hear from a dating couple 
The boyfriend is complementarian. The girlfriend is an egalitarian feminist. Should they pursue marriage? And if they do, what will be the consequences? It's a serious question, and uh, Pastor John will tackle it tomorrow on the podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper. We'll see you tomorrow.